Good evening, one and all kind friends and neighbors. This is your old friend, Elder Mike Montgomery from somewhere in Texas. Welcome you all, one and all, to another edition of OBW Talks, the podcast of Old Baptist Weekly, which still is broadcast live every Wednesday night at 7 o'clock p.m. Central Daylight Time. Figure out the time for you if you're not in Central Time. Tonight, I hope this doesn't surprise anybody, we're going to talk about Galatians. We've been going through Galatians, haven't we, brethren? We've been going through Galatians. Yeah. And at such a clip that we still have about two years left to go. <laughs> uh, just kidding. Tonight, we're going to tackle God being our helper, Galatians 3, verses 15 through 18. We're going to talk about <clears throat> a covenant. We're going to talk about the seed of Abraham, capital T, the seed of Abraham. We're going to talk about how that fits in with the argument already given in the earlier verses, and maybe a hint of how it's going to set the stage for the argument in the following verses. So buckle up, put your tray, tray pads up, <laughs> make your straighten up your seat. Don't cross your legs. Keep your arms straight. Have a piece of paper and a pencil in hand because we're going for Galatians 3, 15, and 18, and we need God's help. Oh, Amen. We need God's help. <laughs> we do. We do. We do. We do, don't we? <laughs> yes. We need God's help. I mean, my goodness. And uh, as we always say, we're sincere when we say this. We don't want anybody to use this as their way of studying. We, If it's a help, <clears throat> God be praised. But do your own study of Galatians, and uh, God give you the grace to use whatever sources you use to uh, open open up the truths to you. But if you use us, and we will be pleased, and we would thank God for that, then just remember, we're just men. We're fallible. We, Even though it's four trying to come to one conclusion, we may still make mistakes. We will make mistakes, I'm sure. We will always look back on this and say, why didn't Joe say this? Why didn't Jerry say this? And Mark, why didn't you keep your knee from flapping up and down? <laughs> That's an inside joke, by the way. <clears throat> okay. Are we ready? Do we know what we're going to do? Are we prepared? Jerry, are you ready? Pray so. Joe, you ready? Mark, you got your leg all? I'm set. Okay. <laughs> so, set for the uh, defense. I drew the short straw so that I get to pray the opening prayer, God being our helper. And then at the end of the broadcast, Brother Joe will pray the closing prayer. But I'm going to say this prayer, God being our helper. Brother Joe will then give us our level set, and then mayhem will ensue. So if you'll bow with us, we'll go to the Lord in prayer. Gracious ever to be adored, Heavenly Father, we, first of all, wish to thank you from the bottom of our hearts for your many blessings to us, especially the, the blessing to sit with like-minded brethren, yoke fellows in the ministry, and talk about one of the most wonderful writings in all of thy Bible, the letter to the Galatians. Lord, we, we confess we are not able to see anything in it except you give us the grace to see it. And we thank thee for what insights you have given us. And we pray for forgiveness for where we maybe misapplied something. And if we have, Lord, forgive us. And please don't 
let that hurt anybody else. We pray, Lord, that you'll open our eyes yes. in the discussion tonight. Give us uh, grace to see what needs to be seen and to say what needs to be said. May we say it with grace and mercy and kindness and compassion and brotherly kindness and charity. Mm. Yes. Lord, may it please thee to bless us again with some more rain. We are so thankful for the rain you sent us. Oh, Lord, are we so thankful. We thank you, thank you, thank you. Lord, if it be according to thy will, bless those areas that especially are in need of rain, those areas in California and other places that thou knowest so much better than us. Lord, forgive us for where we have failed to seek thee and seek thy face and thy will in these things. Bless us to step out on faith and just trust that you will send us rain as you have so many times graciously in the past. So we ask these things and our Savior's name and in Jesus Christ and for our sake. Amen. Okay. Brother Joe, please set the level. Thank you so much. Um, and since I live in a very dry area of California, thank you for that prayer. And we appreciate all of you praying for rain. Get for your umbrella ready, Joe. Part of the country. <laughs> it, worked in, it worked for you in Texas. Let's pray for it to work in other areas as well. <clears throat> Pardon me. Um, as we look at verses 15 to 18 in Galatians chapter 3, uh, we were talking before we started the broadcast that Paul reasons in a very tight logical sequence. There's a lot that goes on that leads up to the points he makes here. The big issue, if we want to review Paul's logic and reasoning leading up to these verses, where do you start? <laughs> And that's difficult. I, I want to spend a good part of my level set tonight on Galatians 3, verses 13 and 14. On several occasions as we've gone through Galatians, one or more of us has made the point that the death of Jesus not only accomplished our eternal salvation, but also opens the door to our temporal blessings. In the first chapter of Ephesians, as a biblical pattern, Paul blessed God who has blessed us with all, quote, timely and eternal spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Amen. He goes on in the book of Galatians to flesh out both eternal blessings that are in Christ and temporal blessings that are in Christ. We've made allusion to that point in the context of Galatians. I, I feel the need tonight to try to put some specifics to that, that thought. And so I have chosen verses 13 and 14 to, to underscore the point. <clears throat> Verse 13, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law being made a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. That's a reference to Deuteronomy chapter 21, verse 23. The book of Galatians is primarily related to a temporal problem in, Galatia, in the Galatian churches brought about by false teachers, self-deceived false teachers, likely from Jerusalem church. So what is the answer? How do spiritual blessings, temporal blessings in the gospel, come in the New Testament. 
Are they distinguished and segregated so that only Jews and those occasional people who abandon their culture and choose to live the remainder of their life as a Jew? Is it, are those blessings limited only to those people? Or, as Paul makes the case, in the New Testament, spiritual blessings flow to all the family of God alike. The blessings of salvation in Jesus come because of Jesus, period, nothing added. Spiritual blessings in our temporal faith and lives come to all children of God alike based on our exercise of faith. And our faith, as we have emphasized in Galatians, is, in fact, the faith of Christ. I think Paul answers the question quite nicely. In this verse, twice, Paul uses the personal pronoun us. Christ hath redeemed us, being made a curse for us. Paul is a Jew. The Galatians are Gentiles. Paul draws no distinction. Amen. The death of Jesus blessed, redeemed all God's elect, regardless of nationality, culture, or anything else, based on the price he paid for our redemption. Amen. Therefore, Paul is reasoning, if there is no difference based on culture, race, or language, or nationality, or all the superficials of human distinction, there can be no grounds for segregation based on those things in the temporal blessings. What a powerful argument he makes for that. He redeemed us. To redeem is a financial transaction. In fact, Jesus in redemption paid the price, purchased the merchandise. It is a completed financial transaction. He now owns what he redeemed and paid for. Nothing to be added. There's nothing added in Galatians 3.13. Christ redeemed us. He didn't say Christ plus anything or anyone. Christ did it. Mission to completely accomplished. What price did he pay for our redemption? He who was, who is worshiped by angels, condescended as a human and further condescended to hang on a tree, yeah. a tree, yeah. a cross, which Deuteronomy says is a curse of God. That's right. He paid that ultimate price price for your redemption and mine. Accomplishment number one from the death of Christ. Verse 14 adds two additional accomplishments. The word that, two times it appears in verse 14, is translated from the Greek word ena, which means either purpose or result. That his purpose in dying, his purpose in becoming accursed a and redeeming us, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles, not just Jews, through, by means of yeah. Jesus Christ. No plus, nothing added. It's still 100% of Jesus. The blessing of Abraham in this case 
is a family link to the family of God. And then the second that purpose or result that we might receive the promise of the spirit through faith. Yes, Jesus made this possible by his death on the cross. But Paul adds a condition through faith. Mm. Further, he identifies the blessing that is available to every elect born again person through faith, the promise of the spirit. Promise of the spirit in scripture is given to children of God. It is a post-salvation, post-new birth blessing upon those who are children of God. Jesus devoted three whole chapters to this reality in John chapters 14, 15, and 16. Jesus further identified that this ministry of the Holy Spirit would be something new that did not occur during the Old Testament era. It would begin after Jesus completed his work and ascended. Actually, in Acts chapter 1, Jesus ascends back to the Father. You men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing into heaven? Beginning in Acts chapter 2, for the first time in human history, and the administration of God's grace with his people, the Holy Spirit was poured out in a unique way never before experienced upon the apostles. (laughs) They were already saved. Yes. They had never experienced this degree of blessing uh, as they did right. that day. But Paul says, this is not limited to us apostles, that we, you Galatians, have access to this blessing as we had through faith. That's pretty powerful. Yeah. <laughs> and and it, it kind of leaves me uh, you know, breathless when I think about the rich beauties of, of what we're talking about here. I could say a lot more, and I haven't even spoken to verses 15 through 18, but I felt the need to emphasize the foundational principles that that we have in these two verses. We have clearly, in the context of the lessons we're studying, the eternal blessings to every born-again child of God by the death of Christ and the price he paid completed transaction. He he didn't do this on the installment plan. He didn't make a down payment and we pay the rest of the contract. He paid the full price and claimed the merchandise. Secondly, the blessing of life in the new birth we have through by means of Jesus Christ plus nothing. That opens the door to the second that, the blessings of faith in the gospel and the outpouring and ministry of the Holy Spirit. Brethren, I've set the, t- the, the bar. Let's jump through it. Lord have mercy. Brother Joe. <laughs> we thank God for that level set. No, <sighs> brother. Uh, you know, I'm not going to say very much right now, but I want to say, got to say this. Brother Joe, when you reached in and grabbed your chest, I did the same thing. It took my breath away. <laughs> took my breath away. Back at the beginning of the third chapter, the Apostle Paul asked these Gentiles a question. Um, are you so 
foolish, having begun in the Spirit, are ye now made perfect by the flesh? These Gentiles had experienced what just made my heart go (laughs) pitter-patter. And so have we, and probably all or most of the people who might listen to this broadcast, if you haven't, I pray you will, have felt that spirit that that came through and by the the finished work of Jesus Christ for us while we're here. Uh, you know, Paul, you said it very well. Paul Paul takes all the air out of the the room, if you will, relative to dividing apart or taking apart that the points that he's making. It's airtight. And he does it in in such a a wonderful, blessed way. I know he was inspired uh, by the Lord, and and obviously so. And and now as we go further in this letter, that's what we're seeing. These people had felt the Spirit. They had rejoiced in the Spirit. The Spirit had come upon them. And for whatever reason, we know what it is, they they were turning away from it. Oh, that God would bless us never to never to allow ourselves to approach that place that we would just rejoice in, in the, in the beauty of it. Brother Joe, God bless you, my friend. Uh, that, that was wonderful. Somebody else start talking. <laughs> yeah. Mr. Leg Bopper. <clears throat> Brother Leg Bopper, I should say. Thank Brother you. Leg Bopper. Please. Thank you. I appreciate that. So, yeah, Jerry, my my mind <clears throat> went back up to the beginning of the third chapter, uh, Brother Joe, while you were talking, like uh, Jerry, like yours did. Um, you know, there's a there's a principle of salvation in the here and now, or the principle of salvation in the here and now, is based upon the work of Jesus Christ on Calvary, and I fear that. Sometimes we might lose sight of that. Um, You know, in Ephesians chapter 2, after he proclaims that it's by grace that we're saved through faith, not of ourselves, it's the gift of God, uh, not of works lest any man should boast. He then says in verse 10 that we are his workmanship, uh, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, Um which he had before ordained that we should walk in them. <clears throat> the the very principle of our salvation in the here and now, like Brother Joe said, is based on what Christ did on Calvary. Um, and I think if if we we don't have time, but if we went back up earlier in the earlier verses of the this third chapter of the book of Galatians. We would, you know, you would see that. You would see how the Apostle Paul is folding that together. Um, verse one, that uh, eyes that Jesus Christ has been evidently set before. Verse three, having begun in the spirit, are you now made perfect in the flesh? Um, verse five, doeth he it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? And then in verse 7, he says, Know ye therefore that they which are of faith the same are the children of Abraham. This link between us and Abraham that the Apostle Paul leverages extensively uh, in this third chapter, like he does in the fourth chapter of the book of Romans, but this link uh, when he says that they which are of faith the same are the children of Abraham, 
is is the I can't think of the word I'm looking for. It's the it's the ultimate pointer of our faithful walk like Abraham's faithful walk and mm-hmm. on the principle on which that is based. Mm-hmm. We're not the children of Abraham because he is the father of us eternally. We're not mm-hmm. the children of Abraham because he did something or by his obedience uh, that's talked about in Genesis chapter 22, that he secured anything relative to the promise other than what he secured for himself. Mm-hmm. And it's in that aspect that we today what we secure is what we secure for ourselves. And Paul says, you want to do it by the works of the law? Can't be done. Mm-hmm. You want to do it by the hearing of faith? That's where it is. That's mm-hmm. where it can be done. And that applies to the children of Abraham because that's exactly how Abraham did it. Right. He was blessed. He is faithful Abraham. He is blessed, or he was blessed to believe God and to... Uh, I'll quote it again, brother Jerry and against hope, believe in hope. He, he, by, by the, the faithfulness of Christ that was placed in him leaned into his hope to the extent that he arrived at one of the most spectacular places in the old Testament. That's Mount Moriah, right? I mean, Mount Moriah. A little bit later on, we find that David is is purchasing this very same place, but it's become known as the threshing floor of Ornan. But he purchased it for a very specific reason. What did he purchase it for? For the temple, right? Yep. Yep. So the temple was built on the Temple Mount, which was the threshing floor of Ornan, which was Mount Moriah. But what I really like about that is you can carry that all the way to, is, is in a geographical sense, to the day that Christ hung on Calvary's cross on Golgotha, which is a part of the Temple Mount. <laughs> and all of that plays together. But I love how it started in Genesis chapter 22 when God said, go, and he went. In the place I will, uh, brother Joe, how's it say? In a, to a place or I will tell the tell the uh, uh, a lot going into that, brother Joe. I, I like some of the thoughts that you brought out uh, before we before we started recording. And yet Abraham arrived at this place, and we know his thought process by what Paul writes in the eleventh chapter of the book of Hebrews, right? It says, by faith, Abraham offered Isaac. He didn't try to. He didn't think about it. He, it says, by faith, Abraham offered Isaac. It set in motion the reality of what it means to see the promise of God. And in seeing the promise of God, it's more than just Abraham and Isaac on Mount Moriah. It's the very Savior of the elect family of God, Jesus Christ, in the same place, but at a place called Golgotha, when he gave himself as a ransom for every child of grace. Therein is the fulfillment of the promise of God, and Abraham saw it. He saw it. So when Paul gets down, when Paul... (laughs) almost said finally, I guess when we finally get down to verse 15, uh, 16, 17, and 18, Paul has laid a brilliant foundation 
that and it wasn't just he wasn't just talking to talk he wasn't just talking to hear himself talk he was laying a brilliant foundation that i believe i mean to me one of the biggest apexes of there's a lot of them by the way of of galatians chapter 3 is the 17th verse when he Mm -hmm. says and this i say that the covenant that was confirmed before of god in christ christ the law, which was 430 years after, cannot disannul that it should make the promise of none effect. That's a, that's a somewhat confusing sentence because of how it's worded. Let's take out, let's not worry about the 430 years just for right. a moment. Good. And read it this way. And this I say that the covenant that was confirmed before of God in Christ, the law cannot disannul that it should make the promise of none effect. Exactly. We've, we've mentioned before. We've mentioned before how this promise was made to Abraham all these years before the law was even given. And that wasn't an accident. And the law didn't come in. That's what verse 17 talks about. The law didn't come in as, or God didn't bring the law in and saying, well, the promise didn't quite work out the way I wanted it to. So now we're going to try this law thing. No. I mean, that's ridiculous. That's almost Mm -hmm. hard to even think about saying. (laughs) But the Apostle Paul says that that promise that was that was made to Abraham that is fulfilled in Christ, that the the image of that fulfillment was on Mount Moriah with Abraham and Isaac. What Paul is saying is that that promise, no matter what came after it, nothing can disannul it. Nothing can take it away. Nothing can change it. Nothing can obliterate it. It is set forever because Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of the promise. Amen. And it's in him. And so, Paul, I mean, you talk about taking your breath away with the realization of what Christ has done. And then God says he's willing more abundant to show unto the heirs of promise the immutability of his counsel and confirmed it by an oath. Amen. Willing more abundant. He's willing to show us these things that are typeset in Abraham, that are fulfilled in Christ Jesus, and that we can lay hold of today in our lives as we live our lives in in this world, that we can take hold of this and nothing can disannul it. Nothing can disannul it. But aren't you glad when we're blessed to reach out and take hold of it? Aren't you glad when the Spirit moves and we see and we realize through that eye of faith just what God has done for his children? No wonder Paul was upset with the the churches of Galatia. They had cast all of that aside and said, we're going to do the works of the law. Actually, they said, we're going to do some of the works of the law. Actually, they were told they need to get circumcised. You know, I mean, I don't want to go back down that road. I I think we've covered that well. But uh, I can see why Paul was was so adamant about you've got to understand that if if anything is to be done in this life, it's to be done by and through the faith of Christ Jesus, and that's the only way. That's right. It's the only way. Okay, I, right. I got to stop. Right. I got to stop, brother, brother Mark. You had to go to Hebrews six. I did. It, I had to. As soon as you began as soon as talking, I just flipped over. Well, there it is. Look at it. It's right there. It's been there the whole time. <laughs> A verse of scripture all my life, I believe, as long as I can remember, believe it, that has just boggled my mind in the best of ways is 
wherein God willing more abundantly to I'm show unto the heirs of promise the imitability of his counsel. God wants us to yeah. know. Yeah. He wants us to know while we're here. Right. This, this is that that accompanies salvation, yep. right? And that accompany, that word accompany is echo. It echoes salvation. It echoes back salvation. Ah, oh, I'm glad you went there. Made me feel good. <laughs> Just to turn over and read, and read it again. There, there is one thing I want to say. And I know I've already talked, Mike, so just hang on a minute. Verse 18, I think, puts a, a, a quantifier. It's not a, I guess it is a qualifier, too. But it says that by two immutable things in which, God, uh, in which it was impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation. Now, that's, that's what's available to us. Who have fled for refuge? to lay hold upon the hope set before us. us. I'm just afraid I have, I'm not fleeing for refuge as much as I should be fleeing for refuge to lay hold on that, that echo salvation that God has given to me. He wants me to know. And oh, what a blessing in our lives. Thank you for bringing up Hebrews 6, Brother Mark. I love you Just for for you, Brother Jerry. Yeah, you did. I love you. (laughs) John, I got a lot of good out of that too, didn't we, Brother Joe? We sure did. Thank you. Okay. May I, just for a preludian. Preludian? Preludian. Just for a moment. I want to see how Paul, the apostle, said the same thing about the curse <clears throat> in one of his other letters mm. that was written quite a bit after Galatians. And I go to the book that Brother Mark had was was talking about, Ephesians. Brother yep. Joe said something about Ephesians, all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Amen, Brother Joe. Some of those are conditional. Some of those are unconditional. But they're Amen. all blessings, and they're all in Christ. Amen. <clears throat> We're talking about in Galatians, <clears throat> mostly about conditional blessings, conditioned on yeah. faith. And then Brother Mark was there in Ephesians 2.10, which is one of my all-time favorite verses because, I mean, how could you not like it, right? It's, but from the 11th verse on down to the end of the second chapter, there are some statements there that are yeah. like blow-ups. Yeah. Wow. Um, the really packed and... And concise statements of Galatians. So here, I think in Ephesians 2.12, here is the curse as it was pronounced on the Gentiles. Here's what the curse did to the Gentiles. And I have five things. They were without Christ. They were aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. Mm -hmm. They were strangers from the covenants of promise. They were without hope. Yeah. And they were without God in the world. In the world. <laughs> Not just without God. That's one thing. Without God in the world. world. They always God was always their God, whether they knew it or not, if they were among the elect, right? But they didn't know in this present world that God was their God until after, right? Great point, after, Mike. Great point. So, so that's the curse. That's the blow up of the curse, as I understand mm. it. Now we look at what happened once the curse was removed, and <clears throat> I have to be careful because I listed fourteen things, and that would take up the rest of the time. <laughs> but starting with the thirteenth verse on down, you'll see the blessings that come not just to the Gentiles but also to the Jews. 
because he is very key to say uh, together or us or us with them. One of the thing is that we're made nigh, and and he he gives the reason why we're made nigh by the blood of Christ. Yeah, made nigh in what sense? Nigh to these to these promises that are now theirs. I know we're brought nigh to 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 God in, in an eternal sense by the blood of Christ, but that's not what he has reference to here. Right. Yeah. Uh, next, it says <clears throat> they are made to be one body. Yeah. Uh, they are free to go where the middle wall of partition had blocked them from going. Yeah. Uh, they are free from the enmity. Even the law of commandments contained in ordinances. Mm. They are made one new man in Christ. Yeah, along with right. Christ. They can experience the peace that Christ won. Joe, Romans 5.1. Yeah. Uh, they were who were once afar off are now allowed to hear Christ's proclamation of peace. Mm-hmm. Um, they now have access by one spirit into the Father. They are no more strangers and foreigners in the kingdom. They are now fellow fellow citizens with the saints, mm. allowed to occupy and participate freely in the household of God. They are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. They are built unto an holy temple in the Lord, unto inhabitation of God through the Spirit. Man, that sounds pretty good to me, brethren. Oh, Amen. my goodness. Amen. <laughs> Amen. I didn't see that until just a few minutes say, ago. Yes. Wow. That's yeah. the curse. What it was yeah, like for us under the curse. That now what it's like for us after the curse has been. That's removed. great. It Brother is. Mike, I, that is phenomenal. You could preach on that, Mike. I think he could. I think I will. I think just did. Okay. <laughs> I think I will. If God give us the grace to say it. But yes. 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 All right, going back to our beloved Galatians. Wow. What is the, the linchpin? Is that the right word? What is that which which brings the argument to from what he was talking about with the curse and the blessing of Abraham to the promise? I think it's based upon the use of the word promise in the 14th verse and in the 15th verse. Uh, I mean, this not the wherever it's the seventeenth verse, where you were, where you are, brother Mark. Uh, so, what do we have? The promised spirit, the promise of the spirit, that's tied up in the blessing of Abraham, right? The promise of the spirit. So then he says that the law cannot disannul the promise, right? The promise, the law cannot do anything to the promise. Why? Because it's also a covenant, right? And amen. And so he's introduced the idea of covenant. So on one side of the ledger, he has, pro- he has faith, promise, and now covenant. On the other side of the ledger, he has works of the law, the curse, and now what? Flesh or mosaic law or what? Mm. You know, there's there, yeah. these are the anti- uh, opposites of one another, as yeah. Paul puts them together. There's a, there's a, Classy word you can use antinomy that uh, describes this very thing. Okay, so we are now embarking upon 3, 15, 16, 17, 18. So he introduces the whole. This is not a sub- separate discussion. Now, he hasn't. Right. Don't think of it like he finished what he wanted to say in the 14th verse. Now he's embarking upon a t- totally n- another tack. No, it's the same argument yep. looked at from another way. And what is the argument? I think you go back to the first verse where Brother Mark was. What made it possible for Gentiles to have Christ 
evidently set forth before them crucified? What is it that powerfully moved them? Well, it was the hearing of faith. What made that possible? Well, removing the curse was one of the things that made it possible. The next thing is God swore to it. Hebrews five or 10 or whatever was it. He swore to it. He was, he swore to it. He was willing for his people to know. I'm not just saying it. I'm, I I don't have to do this, but I'm going to do it anyway. I promise. I swear by my name that this will happen. And that should make us, that should satisfy us. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It certainly should. So for anyone who looks to the law and I'm going to be, specific here, the law of Moses as that which will secure blessing, the blessing of Abraham. No, it's the blessing of Abraham is tied to the covenant that God made with Abraham. And he made that covenant with Abraham before circumcision. Amen. And that covenant is an, is an unconditional covenant. At the core of that covenant is an unconditional promise. Yeah, that's right. Now, that promise results in Gentiles being brought into the household of faith and becoming fellow citizens, no longer strangers, no longer foreigners. And it's it's it means that they have access to it without having to do the law like the Jews think they these certain Jewish teachers thought they should. Okay, so the point I get from what Brother Mark was saying is the covenant has already been ratified. Right. Long before the law was given, so right. ratified covenant, you can't do anything to no, change it. It's set in stone. I mean, that's where we get that. It's a good faith covenant, I would say, as well. Okay, so now that we know that, why would anyone <clears throat> seek to go to the law? Because the the blessing of Abraham is never has never been tied to the law or or obeying the law. It's it's only found within the covenant that God made with Abraham. Uh, I know we sometimes speak of the covenant of grace. I think that's the greater covenant, by the way. That's the far greater covenant. That Abraham was not one of the parties uh, that made the covenant. God didn't make that covenant with Abraham. He made it right. with himself and with the this, this Holy Ghost and with the Son, the Son, Jesus Christ. But this covenant that God made with Abraham predates the covenant of the law. I mean, I think right. that also should be seen as such. People agreed to follow it. They bound themselves to it, and yet they could not keep it. They did not keep it. That's another story. That's, to me, what I get from these verses that we're looking at tonight. Mm. That's what I think everybody watching should keep in mind, is that Paul is proving why we have access to things that we did not have access to before. One of those reasons is the covenant. And... Now let's talk about, brethren, the the one thing about that covenant that makes it unique beyond all covenants. God made the promise to Abraham, right? But not just to Abraham. Right. right. This is right. the thing that has thrown me for a long time. And it's the one I've tried to preach out of more than probably any other place in Galatians, Brother Mark. He saith seed and not seeds as of many. See, Paul is... You think he's a little bit OCD? No, he's not OCD. But he's he's obsessed with his these Galatians to to get this point. It's important. It's important. It's <laughs> yes, very it important. It's vital because he's saying 
God made the promise to Abraham and to his seed. Now, you can interpret seed in the plural in some cases. You will at the last verse of this third chapter. If you are Christ, then are you Abraham's seed? And according, here's according to the promise. Uh Thy seed shall be as the stars of the earth. You know, thy seed shall be as the stars of the sky and the sands of the sea. But in this case, Paul says, you got to read that seed, especially as it is listed in Genesis 22, 18 on Mount Moriah. He says, in thy seed. He didn't even say in thee at that point. He just said, in thy seed. seed. Nations of the earth be blessed. The word nations is a direct reference to the Gentiles. That's there. That's what they are referred to most of the time in the Old Testament, the nations. So in thy seed, in, in Genesis 12, 3, he said, in thee shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. But in, Gal- in Genesis 22, 18, he says, in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. Paul combined those two elements into what he quotes to us for us in, Gal- in Galatians 3, 6, 16. Yes. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Where he says, now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. But as of, and to seeds as of, he saith not, and to seeds as of many, but as of one, and to thy seed, seed, which which is is. Christ. Back in the earlier portion, that's where I meant to go, in uh, verse 8, Genesis 3 and 8. He quotes the the promise. He says, in thee shall all nations be blessed. Peter, in his sermon in Acts 3, 25 or 15, he says, in thee and thy seed shall the nations of the earth be blessed. The point being, it was understood that that particular blessing about all nations of the earth be blessed was to the, it was made to the seed of Abraham. And Paul makes it clear who that seed is. It's Christ. He didn't say Jesus, right? He said Christ. Christ. Because Jesus didn't have the name Jesus back in the days when God made the promise to Abraham. But the idea of the Messiah has mm-hmm. been in place since God told Eve that her seed shall crush yep. the head of the serpent. Right. Right. The idea of the Messiah has been around as long as time. Yes. Right. And so it should come as no surprise. It should not be confusing to anyone for Paul to say, hey, just be sure you get it. I'm talking about seed as singular, not seed as many as sometimes we use the word, but seed as one. And that seed is Christ. So what does that do for us, brethren, to know that that seed is Christ? It's not Isaac. It wasn't Isaac. It, it wasn't Jacob. Right. It, it was Abraham apparently understood it then, even in Acts Genesis 22. He's talking about the Messiah to come. Brother Mark, he's brought out this today and other days. Abraham saw my day. That's right. Jesus speaking. Abraham saw my day and rejoiced to see it and was glad. Glad. Uh, he was given grace to see something beyond the immediate. He saw prophetically to thy seed, to the seed, the great descendant of Abraham. And so what, so to the Galatians, what I think they are, they needed to get from it. And I trust what we need to get to it. We get this wonderful blessing of gospel assurance, a, a place for us in the gospel kingdom, not because of us, 
not even because so much of Abraham, but to the because of the seed of Abraham. I hope that made sense. I don't know. What do you rather think? Does that make sense at all? <clears throat> yeah, can you say that again? No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> For, for the words right out of my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, I, my apologies for my foolishness, Mike. Yeah, that makes no. that makes great sense. Um, mm. by, for risk of getting in trouble for going ahead, <laughs> go ahead, brother Mark. Thanks, no brother Jerry. No. You know we're gonna <laughs> Shanghai you anyway. <laughs> so in verse twenty nine of this third chapter. It says, and if ye be Christ's, then are ye Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Yeah. Isn't a qualifier to being Abraham's seed is first you must be you must be Christ's. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. That's good. Christ. So that, does that That's tie right. in? I, I felt like that tied in with what you were saying. It kept popping into my head. Then I'm like, I shouldn't go ahead. People get in trouble for going. Oh, ahead. I couldn't it already. So no, you, you but, go right ahead. Oh, that's true. That's right. Good. But mm-hmm. yeah, so I, I think that, that tie in, I talked about how there's several high points in Galatians chapter three. I do think verse 29 is the highest of the high points of Galatians. Chapter Amen. Three. Mm-hmm. And I think it ties because it ties back to so much prior to what's been talked about in that in that chapter. I really appreciate that mm-hmm. focus though in verse 16 and to thy seed, which is Christ, is so critically important to understand mm-hmm. that truth in order to mm-hmm. rightly divide the the truth that is contained in Galatians chapter three. I did have one thing. I don't want to go too far off kilter here, but I did have one thing that popped into my head that when you're talking about verse 17 and the, you know, from Malachi to Matthew, there was what, 400 years of silence. Is that about right? Roughly 400 years of silence. That's what I understand. I think about the time from Mount Moriah to Mount Sinai when Moses was there, when God appeared to him. Um, right before God appeared to him in Genesis chapter two, uh, it said in verse 23, came past the, in time, King of Egypt died. And then the, Israel was put under their taskmasters. And it says that they cried and their cry came up to God by reason of the bondage. And God heard their groanings and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac and with Jacob. Ooh, yeah. And God looked upon them. I think I thought about that verse with regard to, you know, that promise that was made. I think he's specifically referencing the 15th chapter of the book of Genesis and the sacrifice that Abraham, God told Abraham to do. And he made a covenant that he said, they'll, they'll be afflicted. He says, but I'll, but I'll hear them and, and I'll bring them out. It goes as further proof, at least in my mind, it goes in for as further proof that no matter what comes came after the promise that God made on Moriah or that God that God made to Abraham, he constantly has that in his forefront. He Amen. will not not only will he not forget, he can't forget, he but can't. he will always remember. He will always remember. And brother Jerry, that goes back to Hebrews chapter six. Right. It does. If if you see it that way, but just, oh my goodness, there's, I got to stop too many thoughts, too many thoughts. (laughs) 
Those are good. <laughs> I think Joe good stopped thoughts. too early, so I think he Joe, Joe, Joe jumped yeah. in. What, go, go, what go must on. be percolating in thy mind? Uh, well, yes, as a matter of fact. Um, we've kind of danced around verse 15. Yeah. Paul refers to a man's mm. covenant. Interestingly, this is not talking about just a, a normal human covenant. In Genesis chapter 15, verse 7 to the end of the chapter, mm -hmm. God made a covenant with Abraham near the end of the chapter. In this day, the Lord made a covenant with Abraham. If you research Chaldean history, Abraham was a Chaldean. This event was an exact replication of Chaldean human contracts. God elevated a human contract above and beyond anything human. Yes. Mike, you identified that this covenant God made with Abraham was unconditional. Normally in this covenant, the two parties to the covenant would hold hands, walk back and right. forth between the divided animal parts in effect. May the gods do to us what That's we have right. done to these animals if yeah. we break if this we break contract. That's right. But wait a minute. Abraham didn't walk back he and didn't. forth. That's right. He's over on the sidelines asleep. Amen. Oh, my goodness. God did this for Abraham <laughs> on Abraham's behalf. Abraham didn't participate. He was the beneficiary of the covenant. Amen. Wow. Oh, that's, that's so good. good. That dances Amen. and it ties into everything Mark, you and Jerry have been oh. emphasizing about Abraham. I oh, had to, and, I had to add that one. That is too good to pass over. Oh, and, and right in keeping with that, Brother Joe, for men verily swear by the greater. Yeah. And yes. an oath for a confirmation is to them what? An, an end. end of all strife. It's an done. end of all strife. Wow. What a, what so a if we look at God's promise to Abraham <laughs> and all of the New Testament testimony, God made a promise to Abraham beginning in the close yeah. of Genesis 11. Then at the, at the right time, he made a contract with Abraham, Genesis yep. 15. And then later he swore, he gave his oath to Abraham that progressively by, higher, yeah. He goes progressively higher, and Paul says it in Hebrews that by two immutable, immutable things, things in which it was impossible, impossible for God to lie. Now, what were those she two immutable things? <sighs> who fled to lay hold on the refuge set before us. Wow. Oh. So tell us, tell us what those two immutable things were. <laughs> the, the, huh? What? His promise and his oath. <laughs> yeah. yep. It all stands Absolutely. on the contract, but it it expands and blossoms in the promise and the oath. Oh, God can't the, lie in either one. The promise and the oath of Creator God. Look, at, look at Titus chapter one <laughs> verse two, and I I, I, I really thought about this in, in reference to verse eighteen. Paul is writing to a young preacher, a son of Paul's in the ministry, who happens to be a Gentile. Go mm -hmm. figure. In hope of eternal life, life. which God that cannot lie <laughs> yeah. promised before yes. the world began. Right. There it is all over again. 
and it just keeps it stays alive throughout scripture yes it does. god has promised to his people he has committed himself to it and, he and he's proved it time change. and time again yes <laughs> yes mm. it really it just it's on every page I heard a man preach on the scarlet thread that that was let down uh, when the spies yeah. left the, the city yeah. of Jericho. Yeah. And he said, if we study the scriptures with our eyes open, that scarlet thread weaves through every book of the mm. Bible. Amen. Amen. Eyes to Calvary. <laughs> oh, yes. I think Brother Joe actually not only believes this, but he rejoices in this. Yeah, I would yeah. agree. Amen. Yeah. Joe, that's it too. That was, that's a great point about that that man's covenant in Genesis 15 and how God took that and yes. took it away from man. Magnified it. Yeah, wow. and, and that 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 image of two men walking with their hands clasped back and forth, saying, yeah. you know, what what has been done to these animals, so let it be done to us. And what a great point. And I, I'm telling you, I have not seen this in this capacity before. While Abraham was off to the side, God walked through the midst yeah. of those yes. divided mm -hmm. animals. He took man's covenant away from man and made it his covenant. Oh, right. my goodness. Right. I thought I was done. And yeah. uh, we may yeah. just have to shut down because I'm about to explode. <laughs> about to explode. <laughs> you so know, many it, times in studying and preaching, we, we develop this mindset that God hides or obscures. That's not what Paul says in, in Hebrews no, 6. No, you're right. He does everything possible to make the heirs of promise aware Amen. secure in the promise and the knowledge of what rising is up done. early. <laughs> yes. Amen. We thereby can have strong consolation. These things should make us ready to explode. Oh, yes. because oh, yes. yeah, I mean, explode. we need, we need grace to understand it, but we need grace to endure it too. <laughs> right, right. Because they're, they're and so, to appreciate it. And oh, to my. appreciate yeah. it. They yeah. are so, so rich. Do you think the Galatians understood this and still did what they did? Um, yes. I think, I think they, they understood did. it, Mike. We've, we've hinted at something. Let, let me throw a, just, if, if this is a Joe stretch, fine, but let me offer it to you for thought. I mentioned in the beginning in my level set, Christ redeemed us by becoming a curse. Number one accomplishment of Jesus in his death at Calvary, redemption accomplished. Number two blessing, that the blessing of Abraham might be given not to Jews only, but to Gentiles. The family of God in every nation, kindred, tongue, and people under heaven, all of Jesus. If, in fact, we are correct that the false teachers were members of Jerusalem church who had a very strong allegiance to the law, portions of it at least, they would not have disagreed with Paul on points one and two. They would have said amen. The point of disagreement was point three. And there is where Paul will put all of his emphasis in yeah. his reasoning that we've been working ourselves through. The blessing of the Spirit through faith, mm. by means of faith. 
and they wanted something in addition to that. They weren't satisfied with that alone. And there's where Paul really tangles with them and with the Galatians and and reasons every way possible. And boy, I would I, I heard about a, a, a preacher once who preached a he had great liberty preaching a doctrinal sermon at a big meeting. And one of the members of the church where he preached was sitting near the back of the building where there were two visitors who had never been to this church before. And right as that man was making his points, he said, I don't know whether that man's right or not, but I sure would hate to argue with him. (laughs) (laughs) I wouldn't want to argue with Paul. (laughs) He reasons too tightly. He makes his point ironclad. Brother Mike, you asked the question specifically, uh, do do we think that these Gentiles understood and embraced it, like we were just talking about it here. The reason I, I chime in, yes, is Paul makes a point right in the first chapter, I marvel that you are so soon removed from him, from him. So th- they were in the right proximity at one point, at <laughs> one point. And then this already been talked about, that they had received the Spirit. Yeah. They had received the Spirit. So those two things coupled together, I would have to answer yes to that. I would also answer yes, uh, very you know, convicting in my heart. I too have occupied that place, and I too have fallen in some of the trap maybe that we're talking about with these Gentiles. It's easy for us to do. It's it's easy for us to move away if if we uh, if we allow ourselves to. And boy, I'll tell you what, after reading and studying this letter with you, brothers, it's going to be hard to pull me away from now on. Amen. <laughs> I don't know if you're going to be able to. I'm, I'm going to say the way you two brethren responded and, and me with you, <clears throat> your your breath was taken away and you were. <laughs> that's what understanding really what Galatians is saying. Mm-hmm is born out that we're on the right path. I mean, that's that's what the gospel does to us, is it not, when it's when it's preached in that wonderful way? And and if the Galatians did know it, I guess they that bewitchment had gotten them to almost forget it. Yeah. And that can happen to any one of us. Even us today who rejoice yeah. in that great it, yes, truth. it can. Yeah. Yes, sir. It can. We can get yes, it we can. can get bewitched ourselves. But yep. oh man, how can you leave something so sweet as that? I don't know how yeah, you God can. That's, and that it's true. It's not. It's not true because it's sweet. It's sweet no. because it's true. There you go. <laughs> there you go. That's there right. You go. That's that's right. Well, Whew. I think we have come to the end of the hour. What a great moment of time and study and meditation and we always leave a lot of meat on the bones don't we We just you can't get all the meat off all uh, the bones in an hour or even in a lifetime probably it's just but for what the lord has helped us to see i thank him and i thank him for these wonderful brothers who have helped me to study it I I couldn't have seen some of the a lot of these things if I hadn't had such good faithful yoke fellows too. And and we you, brother Mike. Amen. Absolutely. Thank you. <laughs> it's been a wonderful 
wonderful time of fellowship and uh, study. And I pray that we'll keep this going next week. We're going to go with what? 519 and something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We'll yeah, let you know. Right, we can we'll let you know. know. We'll let you know. Figure it out. But yeah. we're, we're just remember Galatians 3 makes one argument from th- from at least three different yeah. angles. It's the so same critical. argument. Yeah. He's, he's yeah. proven it from three separate angles. He's not making That's three right. separate arguments. He's making one. Right. Right, right, right. And the argument is to prove why we have this wonderful gospel affect us so wonderfully. Yeah. What did it take? What did God do? How did it, it was his purpose? Oh, what a what a genius God is. That's an understatement, <laughs> is it not? <clears throat> we say Paul's a genius. Well, he'd say, I'm nothing compared to the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Okay, closing remarks. Dr. Jerry, well, always, I'm sorry, we start with you all the time. Would you like to be last next time? Or would, I don't care. That's what I <laughs> thought. You do care. You just don't care about this last I don't, I don't care about order of that. Uh, you know, I do want to say this. Brother Joe, I, I feel so blessed and we're so thankful for uh, the level sets that you truly set before us. And the Lord has blessed you to be able to do that, I think, in a very powerful way. And I thank God for it. Brother Mike, you know, on the on the back end of a level set and then the mayhem, as you put it, there's that that moment of recap. Okay. Not final thoughts, but recap. And I've noticed the last few weeks, the Lord's bless you with the sweet ability to grab what we've talked about in an hour and squeeze it down to a couple of really, really good points. Thank God for that. So we got a level set and a recap. All right. That I, I love that. So final thoughts. <laughs> Holy cow! <laughs> hey, you're not you're not Brahmin, okay? No, no, no <laughs> cows here. Brother Mark, you jumped ahead. Thank you for doing that. You, I owe you for two things tonight: Hebrew six, and then jumping ahead. I, I love the way you put it. If you, if you be Christ, and if you be Christ, then then are ye Abraham seed? Then that's a word of of, of order. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Mark is right. Christ, Mark got that right. Then, right. Are ye Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise? So we didn't talk a whole lot about verse 18, but there's a word that jumps out at verse 18 in, in, in my mind, and that's the word inheritance. Uh, when we look at inheritance from a scriptural perspective, a lot of times we want to run right to our inheritance unto glory. Heaven and immortal glory, our inheritance, it's incorruptible, undefiled, fadeth not away, reserved in heaven. We love that. We love Peter for saying it. Uh, This inherit, I want us to understand tonight. I want me to understand tonight. And, And it says, for if the inheritance be of the law, okay, it is no more of promise. Plain and simple. I Paul's made that point. Uh, we're heir, we're Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. All right. But God gave it to Abraham by promise, promise, promise. So you connect that. So the inheritance is connected to that promise, right? What is an inheritance? Well, an inheritance is to receive to oneself something, but it's also to possess of oneself. To possess it. You know, we have been given many, many things. The Ephesian letter has been talked about all spiritual blessings and, and heavenly places in Christ, both eternal and temporal. 
we have received these things. We have been given them. I guess the question becomes, have we truly possessed them to ourselves? Have we taken possession of these wonderful blessings that God has given unto us? They came at the greatest cost that will ever be paid for anything, ever. And God, by his grace, through his wisdom, and by his love and mercy, has given them unto us. All that we would cherish them with everything in us. And let nothing, nothing diminish them in any way. Oh, thank God for you, brothers. I, I, I love this study. Well, thank God for you, brother Jerry. You're just as much a wonderful component of this as we, as you might feel we are, and it wouldn't be nearly what it is if you weren't a part of it. So, well, we thank God for that. And that's about as much good as I want to say about you, brother Jerry. Uh, baby, he done with it. I'm a little nauseated. He done with it. But I actually meant it, even though it nauseated. Uh, brother Mark, closing thoughts. Well, I like brother Jerry thought about verse 18. Uh, that that we we tried to cover, but like you said, we leave so much meat on the bone. Um, you know, promise is mentioned twice: law once, inheritance once. Um, while studying and reading and meditating on this, I came across a verse in Psalm one hundred five, where it says, "God remembered His holy promise and Abraham, His servant." And I thought about that with regard to verse 18. He didn't, he didn't remember his law. I mean, obviously Christ fulfilled the law, right? But the scripture said that God remembered his holy promise. I mean, that to me, that got the promise of God (laughs) is, I mean, it is so far and above anything else that we can imagine but to attribute the word holy with his promise, it elevates it even more. It oh, puts it right. in the place that it should be put, and it helps yeah. us put it in that right place in our minds. Amen. And if God remembered his holy promise, and then he says, and Abraham, his servant, what are we? We're servants. Yes, We're servants we of the most high God. Hmm. If inheritance came by the law, then perhaps, maybe, just maybe, God, the psalm would have said, God remembered his holy law. <laughs> that's right. And left Abraham out of it. <laughs> but that's not did. what the verse says. It's not what it says. But God gave it to Abraham, his servant, by his holy <laughs> promise. I wonder if the Apostle Paul thought of Psalms 105 when he wrote verse 18. I wouldn't be a bit surprised. (laughs) I wouldn't surprise me either. Thank you. Uh, Brother Joe, closing thoughts. You could write a book. So I I am challenged to try to put in brevity (laughs) a thought I have. We've talked about something that God uniquely has reserved for us in the New Testament that did not appear until after Jesus ascended. I've been thinking for the last five or 10 minutes about Jeremiah chapter 31. Mm. God says, in those days, I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. 
Sometimes we have heard and perhaps preached this new covenant as salvation. No, God didn't need a new way to save. One way, Jesus alone saves all of his people from able yes. to save. Yes. yes, it's right. It is a covenant of worship. That's right. Yes. The covenant of blessing yeah. in Abraham, I say, is equivalent to it. Mm. It's not like that old covenant, a direct reference to Sinai. And Jeremiah quotes God as saying, which my covenant they broke. They broke. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's different from that. This is my covenant, my way, with my blessings through the faith of Jesus, which is imparted and shared with us. And in that covenant, it will be not a certain method of blessing for group A and another method for group B and one up here and one down here. But what does God say in that covenant? They shall all know me from the greatest of them. Our New Testament worship is not based on externals. It's based on the work of Christ in the heart. End of story and wonderful blessings. Amen. Mm. Man, man. You brethren have set the bar real high, and I'm tempted to say, (laughs) good night, everybody. We'll see you next week. (laughs) But let me just say in closing, and this will be very short, you've heard a really wonderful explanation, a heartfelt explanation from these three brethren on the passages we've been discussing. You saw the effect that the truth of those verses have on God's people in the face of these brethren, too. It's That's what the gospel does when it's preached in power and demonstration of the Spirit, but it's got to be the truth as it is in Christ Jesus. Yeah, right. The gospel right. powerfully affects God's people, when the Spirit attends it and they have ears to hear it, lives are changed, maybe turned upside down, but changed for the better. It's not regeneration, Mm -mm. but it is something powerful that only the Spirit of God, that God himself does. He he obligates himself to do it. That's that's what I see in that covenant he made with Abraham. Nobody can obligate God to do anything. Right. Only God can obligate himself. Mm. So So all the onus is on him. I don't think it bothers him that it's on him. I like what Brother Joe, Brother Jerry, and Brother Mark have have intimated. This was too important a thing for God to leave in the hands of even someone as good as Abraham. Yeah. He said, I got this. This is me. I have this one on my shoulders. Yeah. Make happen. And he gave evidences all along the way that he was true to his word. That's right. He protected the descendants of Abraham. And one of the reasons why the descendants of Abraham existed was to provide the bloodline that would end up bringing into the world our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Oh, man, talk about power. And so. I hope that the Lord has blessed you as much as I feel like he's blessed us. Thank God for any good things you've gotten out of it. It's truly his 
wonderful power to bless and grace to bless. If anything said that confuses or maybe upsets, cast a mantle of charity over us. We're trying as hard as we can to say the truth in love. Please. And uh, with that said, be with us next week. God bless you. Until then, Brother Joe, lead us in a closing prayer. Let's pray. Our Father, we, we thank you from our hearts that you have given us such a powerful testimony in your word in Scripture. We are sometimes guilty of speed reading it, of mm. casually reading it little tidbits at a time and not realizing the beautiful hope diamonds of truth that you put in every page. Oh, Father, give us insight and conviction to see the beauty, the revelation you have put in your word and to find in that teaching, the richness, the security of your promises and your blessings to us in Jesus. Thank you, Father, for these four, these three men and their devotion to you and to your word and their pursuit to learn what it what that word teaches and to share it with your people. And Father, above all, I pray for those who listen and study with us. Father, open their hearts and their minds to hear with joy and to hear with conviction the things we try to teach each week and give them a growing richness of blessing in their faith and their lives. Father, for all of these and all the rich blessings you give us, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Let's say good night to the dear people. Good night, night, everybody. We'll see you next week. God being our helper. Good night, everybody.